0: Hey there, and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. My name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with a new friend, Gina. And Gina unpacks her book, Making Peace with Change, Navigating Life's Messy Transition with Honesty and Grace. And um, just a, a book that um, really resonated with Heather and I. Many of you know that we transitioned from Madagascar now living in Nairobi, Kenya. And um, wow, transition is something that we've been unpacking, looking at and um, thinking about. You know, we lived in Madagascar for all those years. We knew how to get places. We knew the processes and the systems and the way that life functioned there. And um, then we moved here and now we're like totally dependent um, because we don't know how, uh, or at least I don't know how to do most things. And so um, it's just been a big change in roles. And so you know um, Heather had read the book that she recommended to me and we have some other friends that were reading it also and just uh, I appreciate Gina's wisdom and insight and um, just her honesty and uh, to unpack and encourage to just recognize that transition is not an easy process and um, that we we need we are dependent upon God she talks about expectations as well for team members and, and for families and um, I just think her book is phenomenal for anyone that knows someone going through transition it's a valuable read. Do want to encourage you to continue sending questions for back channel with both. And that's where I sit down with Dick both. And we uh, we have transparent conversations as he answers the, the, the listeners questions that they send in. And those are based the questions are based off the growth capacities. And so you can send those in and um, we when we get uh, curate those and then we um, we get those out and do want to thank Dick for being a part of that. And um, just always a great time to spend um, spend time with Dick both do want to also um, thank our sponsor for today's episode, which is AGWM Africa, agwmafrica.org for an increasingly redeemed and transformed Africa, 50 countries, 257 training centers, 404 missionaries, and 79,106 indigenous churches. Discover what you can do and how you can be engaged at agwmafrica.org. Well, and I do want to encourage you also to subscribe to the podcast. I know the podcasts I'm subscribed to are the ones I listen to. So, would appreciate it very much. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a new friend, Gina Butts um, from and Heather and I, uh, my wife, read her book, and many of our friends have read her book, and we're so encouraged by it. And um, through a friend. She agreed to be on the podcast. And so we're so excited to have you today with us, Gina. Could you just go ahead and share um, a little bit about yourself and then we'll jump into your book, um, Making Peace with Change.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So I've been in full-time ministry for uh, almost 26 years, Um, served 13 of those years overseas in a couple different countries. My husband, uh, Eric, and I have been married for uh, almost 24 years and we have two college age kids. That's a new stage of life for us to be empty nesters, <laughs> for sure. Um, I, um, In my ministry, I direct a leadership coaching intensive that happens normally a couple times a year. hasn't happened for about a year. Okay. Um, but I'm also a coach for a program that we do in our ministry that is for staff who are in transition, the year-long uh-huh. program. And so that's been a really sweet um, new addition to my life. And yeah. we live in Orlando, Florida.
0: Wow. Good deal, Sunny. My wife and I, Heather, went to Southeastern in Lakeland, Florida. We used to get over to Orlando, but no, Florida, just a little bit. So what does your, your, you said a year long transition Mm -hmm. for leaders, what does that look like?
1: Oh, well, it's a program that we do where um, there are staff who maybe they've uh, left the field overseas, or they've been on a campus here in the US or some other ministry, and they just feel like they're not sure what their next step is. So they come to our headquarters for a year, they work at our headquarters for a year. And then it's really this great combination of both leadership development and staff care, because for a lot of them, they're burnt out or they're tired or they've just kind of lost touch with their vision. So we're really focused on helping them get reconnected with their gifts and their passions. But also we do a lot with story and just help, mm. helping them know their stories and what brought you to this place and what are the, maybe the lies, the beliefs, the tapes that still can drive you. How do we yeah. identify those and have the Lord speak into those in ways that you can move forward more freely. Yeah. Um, so it's really I, I just love it because I love to be able to help people think strategically about next steps, but wow. I also just love to just sit and love people in hard places and, uh, and help them meet God in those places.
0: Awesome. Well, just when you shared that, it, made, it triggered a thought. That wasn't one of the questions I said we would talk about, but it just uh, <laughs> it was something I wanted to ask you about. So, sure. you know, as I read your book, one of the things that really stuck out to me was when you shared about um, your first year as a missionary and your first years being a mom. And um, I think, uh, you know, we had a similar thing. Our daughter, Isabel, was born when we were in France. We were going through that transition. I was learning to be a dad. Heather was learning to be a mom. We were learning to be a missionary, all those different things. Can you share about that and the impact that had?
1: Yeah. I mean, talk about choosing two of the hardest transitions you could choose, right? And just doubling up. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was thinking about that recently. And I think... to think about the fact that I, looking back, I don't think I was aware in the situation of how much had changed in my life because I think I left this big umbrella of, Oh, I'm, I'm a new missionary. But when you break that down, there's so much to that. It's like new culture, new home, new team, new grocery store, new, like, you know, just like all the details of your life are new. And then to add to that um, this huge shift for me uh, to become a mom and then how it changed my ministry and I think one of the things that's interesting about transition is it, it rarely happens in isolation. Like it's rarely just this one small part of your life that changes. So, you know, like maybe you get a new job and that requires you to move. So then you ha- that affects your relationships. And so there's just this compound transition that most of us go through. It's rarely just one thing. And that was definitely the case for me. I mean, as I think back on that transition, what, Strikes me now in thinking of it is all the desire that was wrapped up in it. You know, like I, I, I was, I had this desire to be a really good missionary, right? And I desired to learn the language well, and I desired to be a good mom. But that was really intention with this desire to do ministry really well because I couldn't do it as much. Um, And then you know, desire for relationships, and we were just probably six months in, like when we. So I barely started to get to know people and then becoming a mom shifted those relationships. So I had I had one friend who was a young mom with me and, you know, she was three months ahead of me. She was It was like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> um, so we didn't know what we were doing. And so all that desire to be competent and, um, you know, to be significant, all of those desires were stirring in me. So it was just a lot. I, I wish I could go back to that young mom and just like sit down with her and like, let her like, just emote a little bit because I yeah. think I just was trying so hard to hold it together and do it as well as I could.
0: What would you say to that young mom? The, the, we have many mo- young mothers and honestly, yeah. young fathers. And I think your wisdom as we talk about making peace with change, what wisdom would you have for a young mother, or maybe a young father that's right in that position where you were at um, at that yeah. time of your life?
1: Yeah. It's funny you ask that cuz two of the women that I'm coaching this year are young moms who just came from the country that we left and um and what I often will say to them is like it just something so simple but like this is a lot. Like you are carrying a lot and this is a lot to adjust to and it's makes sense that you don't know what you're doing. Like why would you know what you're doing? You've never done this before. You've never been a mom before and you're doing it in this country that you've never lived bef- in before. Like that's just That's too much for one person to carry. And so it's okay that it feels hard and it's okay to say that it's hard. Um, And I'm here for you. I'm with you and God is here and he's with you and he sees how hard this is. And he has so much compassion and grace for you. And that was, I, I would just say like, give yourself so much grace because yeah, anytime we're in a new situation, it's uncomfortable. And we want to get out of that discomfort so quickly, but there's, there's something good to be found as we meet God in that discomfort.
0: And that, that really resonated. And you shared in your book that some, there's reasons that we choose to ignore this toll that transition plays on us rather than yeah. be sure about feeling the weight of it and mm-hmm. acknowledging that it's hard. What are some of the reasons that we, because honestly, that really st- stood out to me, because I think it is missionaries or people working overseas, you want to feel like nothing's too much. Um, there's no okay. weight that you shouldn't be able to bear. Um, you shouldn't yeah. carry it at all. And specifically mm-hmm. being a parent or, or what God's called you to do, that should be easy. Mm-hmm. But honestly, that's not been my experience. Could you just share some, <laughs> some, some yeah. of the reasons we choose to ignore this, this toll, um, that it's playing on us and the transition yeah. in our life?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think we fear pain, <laughs> and I think we fear addressing pain in our lives. It just seems easier to ignore it and pretend we're okay. Um, but unprocessed pain, unfortunately, doesn't go away if we ignore it. <laughs> it's just not how it works. Um, it festers, and it'll come out sideways, and, uh, and, and it'll eventually. Um, I, think, I think many of us don't honestly don't have a very robust theology of suffering. We don't um, embrace suffering as part of the Christian life. We say we do in theory, but then when it actually happens to us, we're like, no, 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 this can't be true. This can't be right. This must be something. And I think sometimes we misinterpret suffering as, oh, I must be doing something wrong, or I must not be working hard enough, right? And, um, you know, God doesn't give us hard things to show us how strong we are or to prove how strong we are. He does it so that he can bring us to that place of dependence. You know, he's always bringing us to places of dependence. I think we also misinterpret the command not to complain as a command to never, ever say that something is hard. And I just don't, I, you know, Scripture is full of people who bring their realities to the Lord. You know, you look at the Psalms, especially the Psalms of Lament, particularly David. I mean, he says things like, Lord, you've forsaken me. He talks about his enemies and how they're beating down his door. Uh, you look at Paul, and he talks about you know we were we were hard pressed, we were you know in all these difficult situations. That's just being honest, and I think there's this huge difference between complaining and honesty. You know, complaining keeps our eyes on ourselves and our circumstances and our lack, but honesty is just this act of humility where we come to God and we come to others and we say, "I am insufficient for this. I I don't have what it takes to get through this. I am weak. I am helpless." I need you. I need the Lord. And that just becomes a a doorway for the Lord to help us. I have a friend who says, you don't get to decide reality. You just get to enter it. Right? So like, you don't get to say like, no, this isn't happening to me, or it's not as hard as it is. No, this is what it is. So how will I enter it and meet the Lord there? And we don't get to, Jesus isn't going to meet us in some fantasy land where we pretend we're okay. He can only meet us in reality at the foot of the cross. And so there's just such an amazing invitation to meet God in all of those hard places. And I think when I think of that, then I'm much more willing to acknowledge
0: what's difficult. You shared about being open and honest and transparent. And then sometimes in the Christian world, I don't know if we're necessarily so good at that. Do you see that there's some reasons maybe that we, we resist being open and honest and transparent? And could you just, just share a little bit more about that? And um your insight on on maybe some hesitancy, at least in the Christian world, to be open and honest and transparent
1: <laughs> Well, uh, I find that a lot of people resist it because it does feel contrary to some message that we've communicated in the church that it's not okay to be honest. Um, and so I think when uh, oftentimes when I'm coaching someone and they start to talk about what's hard, it's very common that people will start to have contempt for themselves and you'll hear it in language like oh it's so stupid that i think this way or you know I, I i it's wrong of me to think this way or feel this way and i always just step in in those places and try to give some empathy and say you know what it's understandable why you feel this way and god knows that you're here and you know if there's places that you need to repent then then we'll repent and we when we confess but but for the most part, a lot of times it's just that you're in a difficult situation and it's okay to say that. And so, yeah, I just try to listen for um, resistance. <laughs> and a lot of times you'll hear people say like, you know, oh, there's this hard thing. Oh, but God's using it. Oh, but it's good. You know, and we're so quick to do that. We want to spiritualize it. And and I'll often bring people back and say, yeah, but it's okay to say that it's hard. Um, and just, I think to when you have gone through your own process. And if you've been able to give yourself grace and compassion in transition, then that becomes the way that you walk with other people. So I think we can't really coach people well through transition. If our response to our own hearts has been, Oh, but it's fine. Oh, but I'm good. You know, Oh, but God is good. It's true. God is good. I don't negate that fact. Absolutely. He is good. But if we, if we don't let ourselves see the hard Like, it's like to see the heart and then also say he is good. Wow. He's even more good than I can imagine. Right. Like, but if I just pretend everything's okay, well then it's like, it's the shallow experience of God. Does that make
0: sense? For sure. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, It does really resonate and um, this speaks to the subject matter we're talking about today. You shared, um, and just want to see how you got to this point where you can embrace the transition as an assignment of God. And uh, I think, man, I, we want to be productive. We want to get things done. We're looking to accomplish life, mission goals, <laughs> all of those things. And then to say, hey, this this transition thing is actually God's assignment for me now as I walk in this process. Can you just walk and share how you got to that point and to accept that embrace that is transition is yeah. as assignment for God?
1: <laughs> it was a long, long process. I mean, it that new mom, um new missionary, I was trying so hard to keep it together and to look like I was put together because I really thought that's what a good missionary did like you stay strong, you don't waver in your faith, you keep being productive and fruitful. And um God has just had me on a journey of um first of all, I think a big part of it and I talk about this some in the book is um, learning to see him differently because learning to see him differently has helped me learn to see myself differently and um, coming to that place where I was willing to be undone. And I think in a lot of ways, God just kept pushing me into harder and harder situations where he's like, eventually Gina, you're going to crack. <laughs> like you can't keep this up forever, <laughs> you know, like, come on. Um, and and I really think that that was a, a gracious and like a severe mercy that God would bring me to those places Um, the last two years that we lived, uh, in Singapore were some of the hardest of my life. I, I think I mentioned in the book, I got really sick and I I couldn't function a lot of days. And that was really a breaking point for me. And it was in that period of my life that God brought a group of women. And we, we did a, a small group together. Uh, we did Beth Moore's Breaking Free. And, uh, and that was really one of the first places where I began to be more vulnerable about my experiences and what was difficult about my situation. And those women were just so gracious. Like they, when they really heard what I was experiencing, I thought for sure they'd be disappointed that, you know, I couldn't hold it together. And they were so gracious. Like, gosh, of course Gina, this is hard for you. And that just, I think those little moments encouraged me to, to continue to pursue vulnerability. And at the same time, I was just doing a lot of work internally um, learning to see god the the way the way that He sees me and to see myself as his child, and I think that really grounding myself in that truth um gave me a, a solid place inside where I could be more courageous externally to be more vulnerable with others because it was like okay, if this doesn 't work out, I know actually i 'm secure right i 'm not dependent on their response, but i want I want you know them to to move towards me, but I'm not re- dependent on it. And I think that to embrace this as an assignment from the Lord is really difficult. If we're not starting from that place that a loving heavenly father who is kind and compassionate and knows what is best for me and wants what is best for me and can give me what is best for me. He's the one that has given this thing to me. And so it, even though it might not be what I think it should be, <laughs> It has to be the best. It has to be what is good for me, and so I might not see it, but I'm willing to take him at his word that this is this. He he he's got something for it, for me in this, and so I think it really it's stepping back from that place of being in control of our lives and and where we think we get to decide what the assignments are, and uh, and trusting that he he knows better.
0: You mentioned that you had that you were in that group with a group of ladies, and you, with, you did the Beth Moore Bible study. And um, I know my wife Heather's done many of those with with ladies and her friends, and the the value of unpacking God's word together in an open and vulnerable situation, and um, just how it allows others to see that um, well, you're not you're not the only one. You're not the only one going through those type transitions, and um, and just to process it together. Could you just share a little bit about? how you found that group and um, Mm -hmm. what that looked like and how it looked in your life. And as you were growing, going through these transition times and just the importance of sitting down and um, having those conversations with, with those groups of ladies and um, what that meant to you. (laughs) And uh, could you just share, I think it'd be Mm -hmm. valuable for people to hear how you found that group, maybe give them courage to reach out and maybe find a group like that, that you did.
1: Well, gosh, I'm trying to remember There <laughs> it was a smaller group, but we had a larger, um, small group at our church, maybe seven or eight couples. And I think it probably started with me talking with one friend from that group and saying, Hey, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to grow in this area of my life. And, uh, and then she said, well, Hey, you know, could we invite, you know, Fiona too? And I'm like, "Oh yeah, well, what about Lindsay? You know? Um, and so, and I think as I look back on my life, that's, that's, kind of been the pattern. I I mentioned when we moved back to the States, I was in another similar group that spring that was really, really helpful in getting me through the transition. And it was just one girl that I knew who decided to start a group. And one part of it, especially in that particular group, was we were very clear up front uh, what it meant to be safe people in this group. And, um, you know, we committed to confidentiality. Uh, We committed to repair with one another, you know, if someone said something that was hurtful and uh, and really the focus of that particular group, it was uh, about the Brene Brown book. I thought it was just me, but it isn't um, about shame and building shame resilience, which it's it's a great, I mean, right. That's exactly what we're talking about. We all think it's just me. (laughs) Um, So I think, you know, I think, and I think I mentioned this too in the book that sometimes we just have to ask God for just one person. You know, if there's just one person that he would bring into our lives that could give us the grace that we need to walk through it. And, um, and sometimes, you know, I think sometimes, honestly, God uh, keeps us in a place of loneliness because he does want us to seek him more deeply before we look to other people. And so I think when, while we're waiting for God to provide those people that we would lean into that, you know, this, God has me here, but I'm not alone. I do have the Lord, but we don't want to stay in that place. Cause he does, he does create us for a relationship. I think sometimes people use that excuse, like, oh, it's just me and Jesus. That's all I need, you know, and they use it as a way to avoid vulnerability. Um, so
0: one of the other questions I wanted to ask you is you write in the book that um, often um, when we're going through transition and um, we ask God to make something easier, um, You're saying we—you we, highlight that mm-hmm. we're really asking God—is God I want to be the less dependent on you? And uh, man, that really struck out, struck uh, a chord in mm-hmm. me that you know. What I'm praying for, easier God, I, I just want to be less dependent on you. Could you unpack um, that um, for us a little more and just share um, how you came to that um, conclusion? Because it, it really resonates with me and it makes total sense. Oh, yeah. But I didn't. And for somebody who likes to uh, be in control, it just uh, resonated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I actually, um, in 2019, I had some health issues that just lasted most of the year. And I found myself wanting to pray that same thing. Like, God, I know you could take this away. I know you could make it easier. Like, why don't you just do that? And part of it, I think is because if he made it easier, then we wouldn't have to grapple with the harder questions of where are you in this? Why is this happening to me? How do I live this? Well, And, you know, like I said earlier, we don't like being uncomfortable. (laughs) And we get this message like if we're uncomfortable, we must be doing something wrong. Um, That's just not true. And we we say we want to be people who depend on God. Um, but it's like I want dependence on God to come through like long walks in the woods, pondering God's goodness, or something. <laughs> I don't want it to come through like hard things, right? Um, but there's no way to for us to get to a place of dependence on God unless He takes us beyond our resources. And it is such a gift when He takes us beyond our resources because otherwise we'll only ever do human sized tasks because we'll do what we are capable of doing. And so, um, you know, I yeah, I think it just. We have to lean into that place of discomfort um, because it does end up in a good place. It ends up in us being more dependent and then seeing God do far more than he could do if we were just on our own.
0: I know that's one of the biggest lessons I learned in Burkina Faso when I was struggling with malaria and sick and um, was just how dependent um, I needed to be on God. And, um, you know, it it took me to get to that place to, Mm -hmm. to, to realize that. But also just, um, man, a lesson I wouldn't want to go through again, but uh, I learned it that time through. I did want to ask you about expectations. You write that we can place unre- unrealistic expectations on ourselves and on others. And, um, you know, I see that in teams. I see that in family. I see that um, on, uh, in the mission at times. Our, our un- expectations of our leaders are unrealistic. Our, un- our unrealistic expectations of ourselves or our team and then that's when the breakdown the dissonance the frustration the irritation and all the things we do not want to see happen yeah. end up happening. Can you just share a little bit more about expectations for family, friends, team and in the mission?
1: Yeah. Uh it's funny you bring up expectations. We just had uh our our two college age kids came home for Christmas mid December and because of covid restrictions they they were going to be home for I think 6 weeks. And a couple of weeks in, I realized, oh, we all have expectations on these six weeks. And I think they might be different. So yeah. we sat down, we had a little family conversation. We were like, okay, what does everybody <laughs> have happen? And are we on the same page? And it was just really, right. it was really helpful. I think um it's made me more aware of, yeah, every season I walk into, I'm gonna have expectations. Yeah. And for me, I tend to put really high expectations on myself and then not realize it. And then Mm. I get disappointed Mm. and discouraged with myself and think, you know, I'm failing, but I maybe just wasn't realistic. So I think, you know, asking ourselves in a new season, what is it that I really want? And what do I think it's going to look like to have that? Because expectations are good desires that we have forced into a specific shape. So the desires Mm. are good. The solution is not to not want them. You know, it's not. I think like a lot of times right. we're like, "Oh, I'm just going to lower my expectations," but really, we're just like killing hope. <laughs> and we're not meant to kill. Yeah. hope. Right? <laughs> we're we're meant to surrender the expectation, um, to let go of what we think it's going to look like for God to fulfill those desires. And and basically, what we're doing is we're shifting our hope not from from an outcome into a person to say, "Okay, God, God sees these hopes. He sees these desires. He can satisfy them. He says he will satisfy us with good things." but he does it in his time and his ways. And so I think with a new team, it's always so helpful to sit down and just have that conversation. What, what do you guys hope, and we just did this uh, a week or so ago with our life group, which is a, a, like a, a small group that we have within our, within our transition program. We asked them, what are your expectations for this semester? And what are your expectations on this group? And you know, and we just talked about it and it was just good to hear all these hopes and dreams
0: and so yeah i th- i think, i think they say the, what the unspoken the unrealistic and the uh, unconscious and uh, unagreed upon expectations <laughs> that's where all the mess- messiness in life takes place yeah. and um uh, you know i think the the struggle i've had is is Every expectation I've had seems reasonable, uh, but they're not, you know what I mean? And so, and this, as you said, being intentional, and it was awkward probably the first t- few times I had conversations just to say, what are your expectations? But it's so freeing and it provides so much clarity that it, it's worth getting through the awkwardness because, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's so important. One of the other things you shared in the book too was that we shouldn't, what, who a person is in their first year of transition we shouldn't We shouldn't put them in a box that that's who they really are. Can you just share yeah. a little bit more about that? Because that's another thing I've thought of, a lot about because I've seen people change and sometimes I've made the mistake of saying that's who they are. Mm-hmm. But if I would have just applied your principle, um, it would have been so much <laughs> more valuable. But unfortunately, <laughs> I'm 18 years down the road. I can apply it from now on, but I, I can't change the past. Could you just unpack that a little bit for us?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I don't know who figured that out, but I've definitely observed that to be true as I've watched people in transition. I think of when we first moved to Singapore, one of the women who later became a good friend of mine had just had a baby and who I experienced her to be that year was very different than the person I experienced her as now, you know, when that baby's now, you know, 17 years old. Um, So I think we have to remember that generally speaking, when we're in transition, we're not only revert like revert to like the the kind of not I wouldn't say lower maturity levels, but we revert to <laughs> what works. Right. right. We revert to like our functioning level, and right. oftentimes we operate out of our stress behaviors. So that that a lot of times is very different than what we how we normally present, and uh, we may not even be aware of it. I you know, I think of my my first year of marriage. Um, I mentioned in my book, my friend Ginger thought I didn't like her and I liked her so much. (laughs) I wanted to be her friend, but I was, I was shell shocked and I had really pulled back into myself and I was really kind of holding my relational energy in. Hmm. So, um, I'm so grateful that she was patient with me. And I think that's what I would say with, um, if you're observing that in someone else, just to be patient and gracious Uh, There may be times when you can question, you know, like, Hey, like, it seems like this, this is, you know, difficult for you or, uh, you know, you observe a angry outburst or something like that, you know, these are or are some bubbles coming up to give you some clues of what's happening.
0: Right. You know, I think that's, it really made me think also in the sense that sometimes, you know, within our mission, people will, they'll go through the interview process and you meet them in the United States and maybe you're at um, you have an apple dumpling at crackle Barrel, which is my favorite dessert. Um, <laughs> and you're having, and they, and they, they seem that you seem, Aaron seems this way and they seem this way. And then you get on the, you come to the field and they're transitioning and you're maybe transitioning back. And then you think you're not any, (laughs) what I thought you were going to be like. Um, but it's, but it's true. And have you experienced Mm -hmm. that, that within, within the, your transmission back to the United States and then also with workers on the field?
1: I mean I've just I've definitely seen people in in seasons where it's obvious there's something being stirred deeper yeah. inside of them yeah. and I think one of the things one of the reasons I mentioned we do a lot of story work in our ministry is because oftentimes what's being triggered is something So, so deep. It has very little to do with the situation you're in and a whole lot to do with what happened to you when you were five years old. You know, it's 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 these deep, deep ingrained messages. And so I think as we help people understand, hey, what are those messages that maybe you picked up on that the enemy stepped in and he whispered something to you and there's a vow you made. And so something feels a little bit threatened in you right now, and there's it's getting a little too close to home well, let's, let's talk about that and where's the, where's the source of that and, um, and how might God speak truth to those places and speak healing to so that they don't trigger you like this anymore. You know? and, but I, at the same time, I think it's good that transition brings those things out because then you can deal with them. You can, you know, you can process, hey, what's really going on here? And because God's always wanting to lead us to greater places of freedom and rest. So I think it's really a kindness that that those things come out and we can wrestle with them um, as long as we're willing to deal with it. Otherwise, it just becomes the way that we respond to situations. <laughs> what yeah.
0: you highlight, you know, family, it's really helped me as, as I've been leading teams and then people I come into contact with to understand, you can't understand somebody's total family. But when you can understand uh, stories of where, how they grew up, how their family may be maybe handle transition. Did their family ever transition? Um, I mean, yeah. you know, I grew up in the same household. Um, we lived in the same house, Wally Ford, West Virginia. There wasn't a whole lot of transition and moving. And so for me, it was, you know, when we moved to France for the first time. It was like, wow, I, I didn't have mm. necessarily a context to what this yeah. looks like. And, um, and so it was, you know, it was, a. It was challenging to say the least. My wife, I'm blessed because she transitioned a lot. So she gave us a lot of context and she had experience Mm and, and I didn't necessarily do that. Kind of segues into the next, one of the next questions. How can family and friends care for somebody as they watch them going through this? Maybe they're not on the team with them, but maybe they're from a distance. They're back in the United States or back in another country, France, wherever. And they're seeing a friend going through transition. How can they care for them in that process? Um, yeah, take care for them as they transition.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think sometimes uh, people, well, all the time, people need a lot of grace. They just need so much grace. And um, I think sometimes, I think you just have to observe how are they responding to it? Is their response to just pretend everything's okay and just focus on really happy things? They might need help to sit down and say like, okay, but what, tell me what's been hard about this. It's okay. And just to, to communicate that you are so willing to hear whatever it is that comes out of their mouth, whether it's positive or negative. And then you might have somebody who's really, you know, going um, to a negative side and really discouraged and, you know, focused on all the hard things. And, you know, I think you can sit and empathize with that. And then, you know, as it's appropriate just to bring them back to, Okay, who what what would your loving heavenly father say to this situation that you're in right now that's a question I often ask myself when I'm tempted to be discouraged because it brings me back to God has brought me to this place there must be purpose in it he's with me I want to see I want to see it from his perspective uh, but I think it's also important to remember that everybody goes through transition on their own timeline you know some people for whatever reason it's really simple like when we moved uh, from Singapore back into a closed country we'd lived in previously, it was a relatively easy transition for us because we really wanted to do it. We we had really good friends there. So it was relatively quick, but then moving here was incredibly difficult. So I think just paying attention to when people are trying to rush themselves through a process or putting pressure on themselves, I felt like I got a lot of pressure from people moving here. They would ask are you settled yet? Are you settled yet? And I think, well, I feel like I should be. <laughs> <I'm> not.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So don't
1: ask them the question, are you settled yet? That's a yeah. terrible question to ask people. <laughs> um, but I, again, as I said earlier, I think the more that we respond to our own hearts in any kind of trial, not just transition, but if we respond to ourselves with grace and compassion and kindness as God responds to us, then it becomes very natural to be able to sit with other people in places of disruption. And I know for me, it's such a gift when I feel like this person is just here with me. I feel no pressure from them to get through this quickly or to be okay or figure this out. They're just here with me. And I think that in itself just allows people to then engage with God in the process and go through it at whatever pace he's taking them through it. I think too often when we try to rush people through a process, it's because we are uncomfortable with their pain. That's it's good. more about us than it is about them.
0: Yeah, no. And it's, you're right. If we're uncomfortable with the uncomfortableness and the awkwardness. And so if we can yeah. just get them through it, then that helps yeah. us and not necessarily yeah. caring about them. One last question and then I'm, we'll ask you to pray for our audience. One of the things that is really personally, um, we just transitioned to Kenya, and um, I have come to realize how much of in transition. So we lived in Madagascar. We lived there for 14 years and I was not a go-to person, but someone had lived there for 14 years and I didn't realize how much my identity I placed in knowing how to do this, where to go to that do this. This is where you do the medical. This is where you do the shopping. This is how you get place to place. And now coming to Kenya, I'm the person that has to ask everybody um, mm-hmm. how to do everything. And so it's a different mm-hmm. role. And I didn't realize, and you talk about this in the book about our, the sense of when we go through transition, sometimes we don't feel as productive or yeah. Could you just share just a little bit? Cause that, that's one thing that really stuck out to me just in these last few weeks as I've transitioned.
1: Yeah. A quick aside, my husband's grandparents were missionaries in Madagascar for oh, wow. a long time. That's yeah, exciting.
0: His,
1: yeah. His, uh, several of his uncles were, were born there. Wow. So up there. So very, very interesting. Um, yeah. For a second, I, I forgot your other question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I so relate to that. I so relate to that experience. I remember when we moved back here, I had to get immunization records for my kids for school and they were starting school in a week. And, you know, overseas, the Asian healthcare system, I could call and I could, I mean, I could just walk across to the clinic and walk in. I take a number and I get in that day. Or if I want to see a specialist, I could get in tomorrow or the next day. Right. So when I called and I wanted to get this new patient, children
0: <laughs> and they, like, I said, I need,
1: I need it by the end of this week. And they laughed at me. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do the medical system in my own country. Like, I just felt so incompetent. And then I had, you know, immunization records from four countries and some of them were on post-it notes. I mean, it was just a disaster. Um, but yeah, that sense of of competency um, and familiarity. I mean, there's something about us that we long for rootedness. You know, as much as we may, even people who enjoy moving from place to place, there is something in us that is really hardwired to have roots in people and place. And it's so disruptive when we don't have that. And for me personally, I know it, it triggers that desire to feel competent and like you said, independent. Um, yeah, it's a hard place to be. It's a really hard place to be. Um, but it's, I think it is, again, it's such an invitation to humility before the Lord and before others. Um, you know, that's, that's how we do this journey together is, is we, sometimes we're the one that carries other people and we're the one that knows. And can, I mean, I remember that when we first lived overseas, my husband called me the queen bee because I just, I knew, like I knew where to get something or, you know, what store to go to or how to do it. And, um, and then I, and then I didn't, you know, and eventually (laughs) you get there again. Right. But I think in the the meantime, it is really um, it's, I I mean, I think it, it reminds me of when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit you know, it's that sense of like, I come with only what I have. And, um, you know, I I think it's good for me to remember personally, I'm I like to be productive, I like to be a doer. Um, When I have those places where I can't be productive, and I can't do things to just sit with the reality that uh, when I wake up in the morning before my feet hit the floor, I'm deeply loved. And I have done nothing in this day to earn that or deserve that. That's just reality. That's truth. And, uh, it's been a good practice for me in my time with the Lord, just to sit and sit in that reality that like, I can just exist with him and that is enough. And he loves me in that moment. We just sit and we exist together and that is good. So.
0: No, it's good. um, I think you share in the book, those are the two things that never change, you know, who he is and who we are in relation to to him. And, um, and just remembering that is, uh, Yeah. It's my wife reminds me too. She said, "Aaron, you know, when people came to you and asked you for help, you said it didn't bother you and you love doing it. And she said, she said, so now people say that. And then you say, I know I'm bothering them. She said, so you can't have it both ways either. (laughs) You know? And so, but it is, it's just being in the shoes on the other foot and uh, very thankful for people that are willing to help. But it's humbling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. the humbling part of it and coming back to the dependence in the same faith. So Gina, mm-hmm. I have greatly appreciated um, spending time with you today. Would you pray for the audience? Would you pray for those that are in transition? Maybe mm-hmm. those who are um, walking with someone who is going through transition or maybe somebody mm-hmm. who's about to go tra- through transition. I don't know. <laughs> but um, just pray whatever way God directs you, that God will use this podcast to encourage people mm-hmm. um, as they're making peace with the change in their
1: Yeah, for sure. Father, we are grateful that you are the author of our stories and you are the one who walks faithfully with us in whatever place you're leading us to. We thank you that you go ahead of us into every new place and you prepare good things for us in every place. Lord, would you open the eyes of the people who are listening to the ways that you are at work in new seasons? Would you give them eyes to just always be recognizing the good gifts that you're giving them. Lord, would you lead them to rest more deeply in you and who you say they are and in your faithfulness and your goodness and your love. God, I pray that that would be the lens through which they see and interpret all the things that are happening around them. Lord, would you lead them to walk in grace for themselves and others? Because when we're in new seasons, it's, it's, it's hard and we don't know what we're doing and yet we aren't meant to know uh, we're meant to depend on you. So thank you for always leading us into places that deepen our dependence on you. And Lord, I, I ask for those who are walking with others who are struggling right now, who are in new seasons, Lord, make them gravers, who are full of compassion and kindness, who um, see what's not even being said and bring those things to the surface God, I pray that they would be safe places for those who are struggling and uh, need a listening ear. And Lord, uh, may they be people who lead others back to you, to to look to you, to look to your strength uh, in difficult seasons. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. amen.